0: So this morning we are continuing our series, uh, BLESS. BLESS is an acronym for uh, different missional habits, different things that we can do to remain on mission, habits that we can work into our life, that we are continually encouraging our friends and our neighbors in faith in Jesus. As we talked about it a few weeks ago, if you remember, that it began with Jesus going to Zacchaeus uh, on his way to Jericho. and. We saw there how Jesus, uh, all sorts of different amazing things that Jesus did, but one of the things that we drew from that, uh, that message was that Jesus is a God on mission. Jesus is a Savior on a mission. And if we are following him, then it's my deduction, it's my point that we are on mission too. If our leader, if our God is on mission, then we who follow him are meant to be on mission as well. And so we, then we talked about some about getting into this acronym BLESS. Each letter stands for a part of it. Um, and I just realized that I didn't put the insert in for today for serving in love. Um, I'll put it in next week so you guys will get a double <laughs> next week. I, I forgot they have, we have an insert from the, Yeah, I forgot it. Uh, But so uh, the first letter, B, is to begin with prayer, which is essential, that we begin praying. And we talked about um, praying for our friends, for our neighbors, those people that we know in our lives, that we would like to see faith grow in them. And so it's how important it is for us to pray for them. Then we talked some about listening with care. That's the L, uh, B-L, listening with care, that we uh, talk about how important it is in our culture, how countercultural that is. How rare it is in our culture for someone to take the time and just listen to you. So that's B and L, and then we talked uh, about the E for uh, bless, which is eating together, which is one of my favorites. Um, get to eat together, and we talked just about how important uh, eating together is. And I just it's interesting, you know, in one of the, part of that um, that sermon, I uh, was talking about. How it's good for us to eat with people in our community. Uh, just this last week, Tracy and I had some fr- had dinner with some friends who are not a part of this church yet. And you know, when you're sitting around and talking with other people, you can talk about things. But when you sit down around the table, I don't know what happens. It's hard. It's mysterious. It's miraculous. But just the conversation you have is so easy and good, and the connection you have is good. So um, did that. But also too, uh, in that series or in that sermon, I talked about how important it is for us as a church missionally for us to eat together as well and then we can invite people into that and um, last sunday este it was great when you you came in after everybody most people had gone and you had already come out and then you came back and you just said jason i just want to tell you how great it was to eat together today some of the conversations that you had some of the people you were able to talk with and pray with so eating together is important and i just wanted to encourage us to keep doing that to eat together with people in our community who we want to see grow in faith but also for us as a church to eat together I mean, come on, guys. Eating, fun, right? <laughs> Share a meal together. So, this morning, we're on <clears throat> the first S of serving in love. And I have to say that serving in love, I think, is one of the most powerful ways that we can encourage other people in faith. And especially in our community. Especially in our community. Uh, we live in a culture, uh, a lot of people, you know, words are, you know, talk is kind of cheap. And so, show me and people are constantly watching the way we live and for us to serve people in our community it's hard to argue with that you know maybe people have different ideological views like you know I don't think this or I think Christianity is too that or not enough this but when you show up and you serve it's hard to argue with that when you love love someone and I also want to say too that I am grateful for you for this church family as I think about you as I was thinking about even writing the sermon this week how many of you, and just generally as a church, how good you are at serving, how naturally it comes to you. As I think about the stories that you share throughout your week and even the things that we do together as a church, I am grateful that service is such a high value of this church. It's such an integral part of the culture of you, this church family, because it's not like this in every church. There are some churches where service is way down on the list of priorities. Where serving others is, uh, they never think to do it. And so I wanted to say that this morning. I am grateful for you and how much you love to serve people. So I want to encourage you in that. But I'm also grateful for this uh, message on serving others with love because it helps us to stay focused in mission on things that I think are really powerful serving people. You know, sometimes I think we can get focused on on the wrong thing. And what I mean by that is... uh, for example, you know, sometimes I hear people say, you know, I've been working on this person and I've been trying to get them to come to church. I've been working on, I've been, you know, twisting their arm way up behind their back trying to get them to come to church. And I want to say that, you know, there's it's great to gather together, uh, to worship together on Sunday. So, but if our point is to get non-believers just to show up here, it might not work as well as we think. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's great to have people, to ask people to come visit, uh, maybe some of you are here visiting uh, today, and maybe you still have questions about faith. I hope that this morning is helpful, or that you hear something new about Jesus and you realize something about Him. But there are people who have been kind of shoehorned into coming to church on Sundays, and maybe they come for a bit, and then they try for a while, and they think, you know, I don't really understand it. I don't. The music is very different. Um, I don't understand how to read the Bible, and you know, and then they end up kind of falling off. And then you talk to them later, and they say, yeah, I tried it, and it just wasn't for me, it just didn't take. So when we focus on getting people just to come to church, I think we're meant to actually focus on more. Actually, rather than focusing on getting people just to come to church, we focus on connecting them to Jesus. Because if they connect to Jesus, then they will want to be here to worship God. Do you catch the difference there? That if we help people make us connection with Jesus, we won't have to to... push them or pressure them to come on Sunday, they'll say, hey, what time is service? I want to be there. So just to change that focus a little bit of serving others helps us to connect people with Jesus because then they'll want to come and worship. The other thing that I want to caution us to is, is converting people. Converting people. You know, there's um, there's a lot of damage that, that our brothers and sisters, maybe even some of us have done in trying to convert people who were not ready yet trying to convince them, trying to pound it into them, trying to whack them over the the head with your Bible to to get them to believe. Now, don't get me wrong, it is good to have a good answer, to have a good reason why we follow Jesus and to have good answers for questions that people have. But I find it's way more fruitful for people to come to faith, to continue to, to start following Jesus and keep following Jesus when they come to Jesus at the time that they're right. And I was thinking about this of, of like an apple on an apple tree. Um, you know, if you try to pick it in June, how good is that apple going to be? I mean, sure, you can take it off and you can eat it, but how, how good is that going to be? How ripe is that fruit? Now, if you are just a little bit patient, and if you're willing to wait until September, you know, how, how ripe will that fruit be? And what I mean by that is, is you know, and, and you, know, you think, well, then do we just sit and just hope it happens? That's not what I'm saying. Because actually, you know, if I, I'm, I've never been an orchardist, and some of you have, and Walter's taught me some about what it's like to, to work in an orchard. Um, but there are things that you can do to help the fruit ripen to its best. So there are things that we can do to encourage our friends, to be a blessing to them, to serve them in love, but then we just also have to wait for that fruit to be ripe. We have to wait till just the right moment. And then we're able to tell, you know, explain to them. And maybe they've heard our testimony before, and then they had that one time or something goes on in their life, maybe something goes wrong, and they say, you know, I remember what you said six months ago or six years ago about God, about Jesus in your life. Can you tell me some more about that? That's when the fruit is ripe. And that's when we start talking with them. That's when we encourage them. That's when we talk to them about devoting their life to Jesus. So what I just want to say is, I guess, two things. One is that we don't rush the process. That serving others in love is sort of like that cultivating that work of, of the apple tree. Sort of like cultivating the soil, pruning the tree, helping people so that when they are ripe and when they are ready to begin following Jesus, that, that we're right there with them. All right? So I, I like this. I like that it says focus on serving others in love. Now, some of you might be asking, so how do we do this? What does it look like? How can we? You know, is there scripture that, that um, shows us? And you know what? I'm glad that you asked, because there is um, this great passage from um, Mark's Gospel, and I think the boys must have taken it out of mine. Don't have one. Ah, thank you. I don't know where mine went. Thanks. So, we can learn uh, from Jesus um, about serving others with love. So if you want to open your Bibles to Mark, chapter 7, verse 31 to 37, or uh, if it's easier, on this, this sheet here, if you would read along with us. So it says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh he said to him, "Ephphatha," which means be open. At this the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak." Thanks. So you know, as I'm reflecting on this story about serving others with love and wanting to learn from Jesus, wanting to watch how Jesus does it and learn from him, a couple things I realized. One, You know, it's great to follow Jesus, to follow his example, because he is the Son of God. He is God incarnate. He is the Savior. All that, absolutely. But I also was realizing as I was studying this passage that he's also a really good example. He's also really good at serving other people in love. So what a great person for us to learn from. Okay? So let's get into it. So first, it begins by telling us that Jesus was going from Tyre through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the city of Decapolis. Now that's it's interesting. Mark gives us that detail to help us uh, understand what's happening here, the context. Okay, so Jesus is this good, this devout Jewish man, and he's entire inside and into Capilus. Now, for those of us who aren't familiar with those areas, those were traditionally are mainly Gentile areas. And uh, if you've heard uh, some about the ancient Near East or some about the Israel in Jesus' time, Jews and Gentiles did not mix. Okay, if you were a Jewish person, you avoided those areas. You walked around them. And here's Jesus walking right through them. And it's interesting for us, and I think this helps me to see that, you know, for us as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it is good for us to be out in the other areas. It's good for us to be in areas outside of our Christian circles. It's good for us to be in places with our friends who are not followers of Jesus yet. It's good for us to spend time with them. And, and sometimes it's difficult you know it's interesting. Like for me, like I spend a lot of time with my Christian friends, and so sometimes I go with, and I spend time with some of my friends who are not Christians, and you know sometimes the things they say or the way they think, I, I'm like honestly I'm a little offended. <laughs> I don't, I try not to let on that I am, but but sometimes it's difficult. I understand that. But because I care about them, I stay with them. I go out to them. I go to meet them on their home turf, as it is, as it were. And that's something, too, that I see Jesus doing here. You know, because Jesus could have sent out word. He could have sent out the 12 disciples. Hey, guys, here's some flyers. Tell them we're having this huge revival in Jewish territory at my, at my favorite synagogue where everybody knows me. Um, tell, go ahead and send things out. Invite people to come to me, but I'm going to stay on my, home, on my home field advantage here. But you know what Jesus does? He goes out to them. He goes out where they live. He goes out into their communities, into their circles, so that they have the home field advantage. And I just want to encourage us in that. It's important for us. It's good for us to invite people to come to the church, absolutely, for events or for breakfasts or for dinners or for musical events. It's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all we do, then we're missing the people who will never come because they feel anxious about coming to the church or to a church function. We have to do both. We have to go out to their home field give them the home field advantage and go and serve them in love in those places. So I'm learning from Jesus that one that we go out to their places and we go out to be with them. Sometimes we invite them to come in with us, that's great, but oftentimes we spend a lot or and we spend a lot of time with them out where they are. Okay? So that's the first one, is going out. The second thing I realized is how much Jesus cares about people. he goes to this man <clears throat> they bring him this man who's who's deaf and not able to speak very well and he takes the man aside away from the crowd now it's it's interesting because it you know doesn't mark doesn't tell us why he did that we can just make some guesses but it's interesting because you know there's other places in mark's gospel the other gospels uh, in Jesus' life, when someone comes to him to be healed, and he heals them right there, right in front of everybody. The crowds pressing in around him. I think about like the woman uh, who had bleeding for 12 years. I mean, Jesus didn't even, wasn't even he even had to ask who touched my robe. You know, that's how many people were crowded around him. The disciples said, "Lord, there's so many people crowded around," and yet he healed that woman right there, right in the midst of the crowd. So it's interesting to think that Jesus took this man aside and healed him. And There's lots of different thoughts of you know why he did that. But I think at very least we can make this general assumption is that Jesus was caring for this guy. He really cared about him, so he brought him aside. And it says that he um, you know, stuck his fingers in his ears and spit and touched his tongue, but then it said he looked up to heaven, uh, I'm guessing in some way praying and asking the Lord to do this, and he let out this sigh. This, And actually in Greek it's more like a groan. I think because he was brokenhearted for this man. Because he really cared about him. He wanted him to be healed. So he lets out this groan, he says, be opened. And we get this I mean it's it's subtle and you know, I get that, but we catch this this quick glimpse of how deeply Jesus cared for him and heals him. It's good for us. You know, that's, I think that's why they put, you know, it wasn't just the S isn't just serve, it's serve in love. It's care for people because people you know people are pretty sharp <laughs> or at least they can be people can pick up when we are serving them for our own ends and what I mean by that is you know I'm I'm serving you to convert you and then I'm going to move on to somebody else there are people who do that there are Christians Lord forgive us forgive them who do that who befriend someone just long enough until they begin following Jesus, and then they say, well, they drop them off at the church door, kind of like an abandoned child, and then they go on to somebody else. Please don't do that. (laughs) Please don't ever do that. Care for people. Care for people. Because it's good. People hate to be used. People hate to be manipulated. And if you connect their faith or their conversion to being manipulated, It could drive a wedge between them and God for the rest of their life. So genuinely care for people. Not only is it good for them, not only is it good for our relationship with them, but it's good for us as well. Because it's really easy to get frustrated with people who you're trying to help, trying to change, if you don't love them. You can get frustrated with how long it takes or how many questions they have how resilient they are or resistant they are. But if you love them, you'll have the strength to endure. If you care for them, you'll be able to keep encouraging them, continue to be faithful in front of them, continue to serve them in love, even if it takes a long time. When you genuinely care for them, you're able to do that without ever turning to resentment. See, if you don't if you don't really care for them, then you, you resent people. You move on. You give up on people. And I'm learning from Jesus that that's not what he wants us to do. He wants us to care for them. So Jesus went out to places, the setting. He went out to places uh, to other people, to their home turf. He actually cared for them. And he did meaningful things for them. You know, I mean, they, they brought this guy to him um, who was unable to hear or speak very well. And they could have, uh, Jesus did all sorts of miraculous things. I mean, this guy, no doubt, probably needed financial help um, because he couldn't work. And so, or if he did, maybe he just barely made it. So Jesus could have blessed him with a basket of food. He could have, you know, taken somebody, hey, does anybody have a couple loaves and some fish? I'm going to feed this guy for the next month. Anybody? He could have done that. Or he could have said, hey, you know what? You want to see something amazing? Let's go walk out on the lake together. You could have this amazing experience of walking on the water. I mean, that was a pretty powerful experience for Peter. But that's not what Jesus did. He listened and he did what was meaningful for the man. He healed his ears so he could hear and he touched his tongue so that he could speak again. He did what was meaningful for him. And I say this because when we serve others in love, most people, you know, even if we do something that they um, wasn't that important to them, they'll still be grateful. You know, Thanks for doing that. That was really kind of you. But if we give just a little bit of thought and we do something that we know will be really meaningful for them, people are so grateful. It means so much to them. Not only that you would take the time to help them, but that you would take the time to figure out what was really meaningful for them. And so if we serve others in love, give some thought. Even prayer, Lord, help me show me what would be the most meaningful to this person that I care about, that I want to encourage in faith, that I would serve them in ways that would be especially meaningful for them. Because it's amazing how powerful that is to someone. Think about some time when someone served you in a way that was unexpected, but you realized that, man, they gave some thought to that. How important is that to you? How meaningful has that been to you? Even years later now, as you remember that, so give thought. Serve people in meaningful ways. And as I'm reading this story, I'm realizing how fruitful it is. Like I'm learning from Jesus that if we will go out to people, meet them on their turf, on their so give them the home field advantage, and we actually care about them when we serve them, and we serve them in meaningful ways, it is amazingly fruitful. I mean, if you look at the end of the passage, it says that, that the more Jesus tried to tell them to be quiet about it, the more they talked about it. Can you imagine that? What a lovely problem to have. I wish we had that problem here in our community. That we had to tell people in our community, you know what, keep it down about Jesus and how great he is. And the more we did that, the more they talked with each other. The more they encouraged one another in faith. What an amazing problem, right? Well, you know, I have to say, like, one, uh, the the sort of bad news is that, one, it's Jesus who is doing it. So, I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, has a ama- ability to do some pretty amazing things. Um, so that's sort of the bad news. Um, the good news for us is that as our society has changed from his, the bar has been lowered. We live in a culture that, where people are, are very private, especially in our community. You know, people are, just generally speaking, people don't want you messing around in their business so they're pretty private. Uh, People are um, fiercely individual. I want to do things my own way. I don't want to have, I don't want to be beholden to anybody. I don't want to share things with my neighbors because then I, I want to be able to use my stuff whenever I want, however I want, I don't want any problem with people. And like a lot of people in our community, most people have enough money where they don't have to rely on anyone. No, I don't want to, to owe anybody any favors. i just I just rather pay to have it done. Some guy or, or woman to come in, do the work, and if they don't like the job that they do, then I don't pay them. Or you know, like I just want everything that way. I want to be private. I want to be an individual. And I want to just pay for my way. The bar has been set very low for us to serve one another in a culture like that. Let me give you an example. Um, last summer... Uh, one of my neighbors was cutting um, uh, His yard trimming some weeds and stuff just a mess and he was out there by himself <clears throat> Kind of an older guy, so I uh, the boys and I drive by and I think you know what guys here's what we should do You know in my mind. I'm thinking like this would be a great opportunity to model for my sons What it's like to just go help your neighbor so I go guys. Let's go. Let's get our and, uh We'll go down and we'll go help uh, our neighbor and so we load them all up. We go down there to help them. And he, I said, you know, we're here to help. We just just saw you out here working, and we thought we'd come help you. He goes, oh, thanks so much. But you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm just going to hire somebody to come do it. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you know, glad you know, glad you got it figured out. Let us know if you ever need help. So we go back. You know, kind of a fail in terms of service, right? <laughs> I didn't even get, to, we didn't get our rakes out of the truck. I'm not kidding. Six months later at a Christmas party, he comes up to me and he said, I think three times at least, just how amazing it was for him that we would even offer to help. He was like, I just, and he was saying, like, he was just gushing over it. And I, we didn't even do anything. <laughs> we didn't even actually help him. To me, that speaks about how low the bar has gotten on serving one another. The fact, just the fact that we showed up willing to help even though he was going to pay to have someone do it spoke so much to him. He was so amazed by that. He was so grateful. So I say that to encourage us, you know, that even small acts of service in our current culture are pretty big. You know, there's a lot of people in our community who never get help, never ask for help, don't like to help others because they don't want to uh, owe them anything. or And so for us to just serve others, the bar has been set low. So let me encourage you with that. So as I read this story, I watch how Jesus does things, and I'm learning, and I'm learning from him. One, about going out to people and meeting them where they're at, where they live, on their home turf. And when you serve with love, to, to genuinely care about them. And secondly, to, to serve people in meaningful ways. I mean, if you can't think of like what's the most... To just just start. Like I'm sure they'll appreciate it. But if you can give just a little bit of thought or prayer, like what would be the most meaningful, you'd be amazed at how powerful that would be in someone's life. And, and lastly, just that you know, the fruit is amazing <laughs> because the bar, at least in our community, has been set so low. So those are just some of the, the things that I'm learning from Jesus. So, about how we um, serve others. Well, I started thinking about this, too, about serving others. Of you know, Maybe some of you are asking, like, what, what can I do? So we learned some of what it, kind of theoretically, what it looks like. But what are some things that we could do? And it's interesting, a few years ago, um, I was at Midwinter. Uh, Covenant is a pastor's kind of workshop, um, um, revival thing that we go off and meet in Chicago. And there was a pastor there. His name was Mike Frost. He's a pastor from Australia. And he was talking about um, these missional practices, very similar to what we're talking about today. And he was talking about um, blessing other people. And and he talked about three different ways that we could bless people. And one of them was serving others with love. You know, about how great it is to just serve someone, do something kind for them. Um, and you know, as we've been talking already, serving people in our community, I think especially in our community, is especially powerful. You know, we live in kind of a uh, more of a blue-collar kind of area. Um, You know, lots of people kind of did um, like trades work and stuff like that. And so, you know, the sort of people who value um, work, like putting your, uh, um, you know, kind of talk is cheap, but if you want to show up and do something, like that speaks to people in our community. And, you know, it's actually, it's to go and to help someone, to go and serve someone, not always, but usually it's a pretty amazing experience. You know, yesterday I was at, uh, as um, Susan mentioned, I was at the ferry landing. The, the um, they, I was really grateful they asked me to come and do a blessing over the people, the families, the, the business, our community. Um, and as, as good as that was, my favorite part was actually at the end, after the ceremony was long over and most people had gone and, and, and left, is, was helping clean up weird right <laughs> but to help clean up you know i'm working there with um five or six other guys from our community guys who none of them are a part of this church family um oh, no yeah none of them um, but guys i know um from our community and i'm walking by and jack the owner of the superette he says i said is there anything i can do to help and he said yeah sure we need help moving the stage and i thought he was joking and i walked a few more steps. I like well i'll see you guys later and and I said, Oh, are you serious? And he said, Yeah, we need help. We have to take the whole thing apart. So I stay back and I start taking the screws out and you know there's I think there's six of us guys working on this thing together. And I had so much fun. Like that was the the best part. And you can tell there's a certain camaraderie, at least you know, guys, we know what this is like. Uh, when I well, I'm sure it's women you do too, is ladies that, you know, when you work together on something. Like this common purpose, and you're cooperating together, and you're carrying stuff together, and you have to work out the same problems, and the same things go wrong, and you laugh about them. It's good to work together. It's good to serve others. And I just have to say that you know that in a couple of weeks we have the Canada Day uh, event happening at the park, and man, if if you can get involved in that, it, you know, it will be awesome. It will be good to serve side by side with people from our community. So let me just encourage you. So, anyways. Back to my friend, uh, or not my friend, but the guy I know, Mike Mike Frost. He says, serve others with love. That's one thing you can do. That's probably, like, the hardest one. The other one he talked about is um, just speak a kind word. Encourage people. You'd be surprised at how um, powerful that can be in someone's life. To just speak and encourage, like, to just say to someone, thank you for doing what you just did. For, um, like, You know, a great one is the third-party thank you. You see a neighbor who, um, I don't know, rakes up leaves for one of your other neighbors. And you notice that. And you say, I just want to say thank you for cleaning our neighbor's yard. Not even my yard, but for their yard. Just thank you. I'm grateful for what you did in our community. It's so meaningful for people. You know, we go through our lives with so many criticisms. You know, people talk about, like, they're criticize what we do or what we say or or how we do things and even if you hear like one criticism how many times we play that over and over in our head criticism is rampant in our lives and how meaningful how powerful it is for us to say an encouraging word to someone how cheap it is it's free to say a kind word to someone to say thank you or say you know what you are really gifted at working on machinery, or really gifted at cooking and, and hospitality, your home is amazing. You are really good at this. That is so powerful in people's eyes. Like it's easy for us to bless someone with an encouraging word, and it's free. It doesn't cost us anything. Or maybe you write a card, right? You know, I don't know how much does the ink and the paper cost. And yet how meaningful is that for someone to encourage them, give them an encouraging word? So, we can serve others with love. We can give an encouragement. The, the third one he mentioned was, give someone a gift. You know, and it can be an elaborate gift. You know, elaborate gifts, you know, in our day, like they're pretty, um, pretty powerful. They speak a lot, you know. Someone drops off something that, you know, you knew took some time and some sacrifice. Like, that means a lot to you. But it can also be really simple. I mean, it doesn't have to be an elaborate gift. As, as good and as, as nice as an elaborate gift can be, something small, something meaningful can be just as important, just as powerful. When I, when Tracy and I still live in Vancouver, I was invited to preach for a month at a church while their pastor was away. And uh, when I was done, one of the guys from the church, one of the elders, uh, he made these little uh, wooden pens. He hand-turned the, the the grip and he put the ink inside and and he said, "Here, here's the pen for you." All these years later, that pen is still in my Bible. It's this tiny little gift, and he he made, he made lots of them, but he wanted to show kindness to me. So I still have that pen. So how meaningful even a small gift can be. Or what about I mean, too? I mean, many of you have written me cards or encouraging things. I have that stack. I have a stack of cards right um, under right, right by my computer, right right where I work, right just past my keyboard cards from people from our over the years people just saying thank you Jason or I'm grateful for what you did encouraging words are so important for us it's a good gift just to to write someone a card another important gift and we talked about this just briefly when we talked about listening with care is giving the people the gift of your time you know money comes and goes all that stuff but our time you don't get that back but how valuable it is. You know, in our culture where everybody's rushing around, everybody's too busy, no one has time for anyone, how valuable it is for us to give time to someone. Whether it's time to just listen, or time to share a meal together. Giving people time. These are ways that we bless people. So this morning we're hearing about serving others with love, and we opened up a little bit more to just blessing people in general. Um, serving others with love and how we learn from Jesus about going out to people where they are at and serving them, about really caring for them, about serving them in meaningful ways to give us that some thought and to watch the fruit that comes from that. And then as we talked about broadening open to just blessing people in general, about giving a kind word to someone, how powerful that can be. Or even just giving a small gift to someone to let them know that you care about them. Serving other people is powerful. You know, in our community, I think that will be one of the most powerful ways that we connect other people in our community with this good news of who Jesus is, especially in our community. You know, if we say all sorts of great things and all sorts of, we, you know, stay together in our Christian uh, groups and we um, um, talk to people, you know, that, that might have some bearing. But when we go out and serve people, which you are good at as a church, let me say that again, I am grateful. When we go out and bless people, when we go out and serve people in our community, that speaks volumes. And then that gives us the opportunity, when the fruit is right, to say, you know what, here's why, I, here's why I've been helping you, or here's you want to know why I would do this, why I want to help you. Well, let me talk about what Jesus has done in my life. Or you serve people for long enough and something goes wrong in their life, and you say, I want to encourage you. Can I pray for you? I want to encourage you to consider uh, Jesus and what he's done. And maybe the situation you're going through, like, he can help you with that. How much more um, trust we have of people after we've served them for a bit, after we've loved them and cared for them. Serving people is so powerful. I want to encourage us. One, I'm grateful on the one hand that as a church, you are good at this. It's, many of you already naturally operate this way, so I want to encourage you, but also to remind you that it's probably the most powerful thing that will happen in our community, probably the most powerful way that we'll be able to influence or to encourage people in faith in our community is by serving them in love.